0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.briamshoreline.org I'd like to actually open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to continue our study from Hebrews. We want to finish Hebrews, and... Uh, So we will work some thoughts on Father's Day here at the end of the service. Good thoughts, Keith. Positive thoughts. And, um, you know, I I mentioned earlier, well, let's pray. Father, as we open your word, uh, we pray that our hearts will be open to your word this morning. Again, we thank you for the privilege as a free people that we can come without fear to open your word, proclaim it, teach it, preach it, and share it. And so uh, we never take that for granted either, Father. And so again, we thank you uh, for this time as we continue to worship in your word. In Christ's name, amen. Um, books, I like books, and I like to study. For those of us who have prepared for pastoral ministry, one of the generally the prerequisites that we have in our uh, academic uh, career as we begin preparing for that is we study uh, Greek and Hebrew. Uh, most of us are not, what you would say, proficient. Uh, you know, we're not conversant in those languages. There are those who have a real knack for language. My son-in-law is one of them. Some people just have a real knack for learning languages. Some of you do. Some of you know other languages. And uh, others of us, like myself, it's a real struggle. I've tried to learn a few. I mean, I took Spanish for I don't know, junior high, and all I can remember is, Pepito, Pepito, vamos a nadar." had something to do about going swimming. That's all I can remember. Right? Isn't that right? I got it. Okay. Uh, although my dad spoke fluent Spanish because of his Sephardic Jewish background. And the only time I really heard Spanish from him was when I was in trouble. And so, and of course, he was Spanish. Um, so all I to say, when I study for our sermons, like most pastors, I do do some work in the... Uh, in the original language, because what we have been trained and what we have learned are some of the abilities to use the reference material to sort of be able to find some of these things and that kind of enhance some of our understanding and to share as we look through the scriptures. And what's kind of interesting. Um, it's one of the great tools I have is a Greek New Testament that has a dictionary built into it at the bottom. Instead of all the notes about uh, different, you know, issues, this one has a dictionary, so in the words that are just not as familiar, some words, even if you're not proficient, you know, for, and, the, man, water, you know, those you get. But there are so many others, you know, you have to take time and go look them up. And uh, so it has a dictionary right on the page of words that are not quite as common, which I, I really like this. And so one of the things that this passage here, let me just... To start off to get you thinking this morning, let me read, what what does this image portray? Here's some of the words that you would have to look up in the bottom here um, to go to and say, okay, what exactly, what does that mean now? Uh, This one I probably would have got. Burn. Darkness. Gloom. Windstorm. Trumpet sound. Beg. Fearful, terrified, trembling. What kind of image does that conjure up in your mind? Not a Happy Father's Day image, right? I mean, you know, gloom, darkness, fearful, trembling, burn, a a terrifying windstorm. And then the word not and touch go together. Don't touch. Uh, Fearful. These are the words that uh, are in this page That, um, as we come to this passage this morning. And if you just thought about those words, they sort of conjure the image I want you to think about as we go to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. And we're going to begin at verse 18. We're just going to cover verses 18 through 24 this morning. Hebrews 12:18. Now again, remember, this is called the Epistle to the Hebrews. Let's always keep that in mind. The context is Jewish believers. That's why it's called the epistle to the Hebrews. We don't know exactly who the author is. Um, There are different opinions and strong opinions. But the the point is it's written to Hebrew Christians. These are people who came to Christ. They received salvation and forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ that was offered on the cross of Calvary. The context for for us, the, the continuity is... You and I also, if we know Christ the Savior, receive Christ's blood and forgiveness for our sins. We are saved by the same blood of Jesus Christ. But this is the context. And he says to these people who would understand this pretty well in verse 18. You have not come to a mountain. Now, I just there is one little note here. In the original Greek language, the word mountain is not there. But we'll see that it's implied as we go on through it. So the basis says, You have come to this place, you have come. And this mountain that can be that we have not come to a mountain that can be touched. So so we're gonna look at the contrast this morning. He's gonna contrast two mountains, two places. This mountain that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, there's the wind to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal, the command was, touches, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. This is the context that the author of Hebrews to these Jewish believers who would know very well what he is talking about here, they would know right away what his reference is to. And, but you get the picture? Think about these words again. Darkness, gloom, storm, terror, fear, do not touch or you will be killed, terrifying. And Moses says, I am trembling with fear. Well, the context here that they would know right away, and that many of you, of course, have picked up right away probably, if we go back to Exodus chapter 19. This is the story. Go back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. This is the account of the children of Israel under the leadership of Moses as they have come out of Egypt. They are in the Sinai Peninsula. They have crossed the Red Sea, and they are now at the place where they, are going to, they have camped and they are going to receive the Mosaic Law. They have not received the law yet. They have not received the sacrificial system yet that provides sacrifice for sins. They have not received the Ten Commandments yet. And it's in this context at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19 that God speaks to Moses and the people have come to this place. And the Lord said, verse 9, The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so the people will hear me speaking with you and they will always put their trust in you as leader. Verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, have them wash their clothes. This is a sign of purification. This is a a sign of, of, of cleanliness, of preparing yourself. Be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Don't even touch this mountain. This is not Mount Rainier, by the way. This is the Sinai Peninsula. These are large we might call them foothill type mountains, okay? Because Moses is going to go up this mountain. That's very obvious where it is. He says, you don't, even, don't even put your foot against it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows, not a hand to be laid on him. In other words, if, if, if I were to touch that mountain and disobey God... I would have to be killed by by an arrow or stone because no one would be allowed to touch me because then they would be unclean. This is very serious. Whether it's a man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. You know, when we think of the story of Mount Sinai, it's a it's a positive story of Israel coming and getting the Ten Commandments and yet they fall into sin. And, but, but look at this context here. It's a frightening scene. This is a frightening scene. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The Lord Himself in fire and smoke came down on this mountain. And it was smoke like a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently, earthquake. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And this is, this, is a, a, this is not necessarily somebody playing a trumpet, but the sound of the heavenly trumpet. And Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the, ta- to the top of the mountain. Verse 21, And the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. Verse 23, Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain. Set it apart as holy. And then he's told to go down and get Aaron and come up. In the next chapter, verse chapter 20, we begin the story of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. So you get this context? You get this picture in your mind? This is not a pleasant, joyful, peaceful setting it is frightening because God's presence is on this mountain and everything about this is, everything about this says do not come do not touch except Moses and Moses you get Aaron and Aaron and Joshua and eventually it's just Joshua and Moses that go to, this, to a certain place but everything about this story says keep back stay back don't get close don't touch Watch out. This is serious. In chapter 20, after Moses receives the Ten Commandments, look at verse 18. Moses is up there receiving the commandments. When the people saw the thunder and lightning, and they heard the trumpet, and they saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. And and I want you to notice this next section here. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. I've been up there. I've been with God. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you. So that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And then we have the account of Moses receiving the Mosaic Law. And you know the story. Maybe you know the story. If not, I'll give it to you in a nutshell. What happens is while Moses is up there receiving the law, the people down below begin to panic. And they begin to say, "Uh, something's happened to Moses. Aaron, you need to help us. And we need to do something. We need to worship an idol. We need to, something tangible. And they, and they throw all their jewelry and things into a, into, a molten, into a fire and molt it. And they form this calf and they worship it. And God is angry with these people. And, and Moses hears this, this, and Joshua hears this sound of, of revelry down below at the mountain. They're up in the thick cloud, but they hear this sound. And Joshua says, Moses, there's a war. They're fighting. Someone's attacked them. And Moses says, no, it's not. It's it's the sound of revelry. They're worshiping an idol. And God was so angry with these people. You can read the rest of the story. You can read it in Deuteronomy 9, where where it says that Moses said, even I was afraid. They're quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 9, where what happens is God says, Moses, stand back. Stand back. I am about to destroy this people their wickedness and their sin, I'm going to destroy this people and I'm going to start all over again with you and I'm going to create a new nation of Israel with you. Stand back. And of course, Moses, a humble servant of God, intercedes for his people and he begs God, he argues with God. He says, God, don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, a lesser man might have said, Okay, I could do that. You know, the nation of Moses. That sounds good so the nation of Israel. But he, he says, God, don't do it. Because if you do, then the enemies of your people are going to say, See, God, their God wasn't any different. He couldn't do it. He couldn't deliver them. Don't do that. And God relents. And the people survive. Many are punished. Moses comes down, throws the Ten Commandments and breaks them. Moses gets a new set of commandments and the story starts over again. This is the scene. But I want you to notice as we before we go back to Hebrews when you're still in Exodus 20, please once again where Moses says do not be afraid 2020. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Everything about this. Stay back. Don't come close. Stay back. And do not touch. We go back to Hebrews. We go back to Hebrews chapter twelve, and this is the first mountain. This is the first scene that God creates, that Moses cre- uh, that the author of Hebrews creates. The story of Moses. You, verse eighteen. You have not come to this mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire. To dark- and he recounts to his people this story. This is not where you're at. But we have a different. Mountain. We have a different scene that they have been asked to come to. This is where they were and where they are. They are not at a place of terror. They are not at a place of fright. And they are not at a place where they cannot come near and touch. This so I want you to see this contrast. Read it. Look at this context. And look at the contrast from this mountain to the next. But you... Christian believers, Hebrew believers, you, you have come to Mount Zion. Look at the difference in language here. To the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Look at the difference in language. The word used here, angels gathering together, in, in joyful assembly is a word that's used of, of like the Olympics. You know, think of, think of the Olympic Stadium on the inauguration day when all the people come in and the, and the music plays and the celebration and, and the joy of being there at the Olympics. This is the word that's used in the Greek language here for the celebration in heaven, the thousands and thousands of angels who are celebrating and rejoicing. This is where you have come. You've come to Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai. You've come to Jerusalem where the temple stands, Mount Zion, which stands for the presence of God, which was still standing at this time, Herod's second temple. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Heavenly Jerusalem. You know, this language of Jerusalem here, don't necessarily confuse us with the new Jerusalem. In Revelation, at the very end, those of you that have been in BSF this year, you've wrapped up your year-long study of, of uh, Revelation. You come to the end of Revelation, and John sees the new heavens and a new earth, and he sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. That's the new Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem, I believe, is, is, this is language that is, is, is to draw us to the image of heaven. Earlier in Hebrews, we were told, that the temple was a pattern or a model of what is in heaven. That means that in heaven there is this place where God exists, the Holy of Holies. There are these outer and inner areas where the, the angels and others are invited. He tells us that. The Apostle Paul in Galatians, he speaks of the, the, the fact that in, in Galatians, you can read this in Galatians chapter 4, the Jerusalem that, ab- that is above is free. That is our city. Apostle Paul says that in Galatians. That's a whole other study of that passage, a difficult passage. But this idea, this this heavenly Jerusalem represents the presence of God. And of course, that will connect with the new Jerusalem eventually when the new Jerusalem comes to earth. This is where you have come. Thousands upon thousands of angels worshiping, celebrating. Notice, in joyful assembly, verse 21, you have come to the church or the ecclesia, the gathering, the collection of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Now, who are these firstborn? Some believe it was the early Jewish Christians that came to Christ early in the story in the book of Acts, the disciples and the apostles and those that followed. Others think it's a, it's a reference to the to, to all who have come to Christ. Either way, it's to, it's to believers. Their names are written in heaven. You have come to God the judge of all men you have come this is where you this is where you you could have been this is where we are that was mount sinai you have come to mount zion to the heavenly Jerusalem the presence of god you have come to the spirits of righteous men now made perfect remember in hebrews we we studied about those people of faith who look to a greater city they look to a heavenly they look to a different country this may be a reference to those old testament saints who have also now been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ as his blood was retroactive for all salvation and proactive for all salvation today you have come to this place you have come to Jesus Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. They've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You know, when we receive communion, we, we refer to 1 Corinthians 11, where the Lord Jesus Christ said, this is the blood of my new covenant. As often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. And Paul quotes that to the Corinthian church. Paul also in 2 Corinthians, he calls himself as an apostle, that they are ministers and apostles of the New Covenant. We are part of the New Covenant. There is yet to come the covenant with the house of Israel. We believe this is literally going to still take place, the thousand-year Messianic Kingdom, when the covenant with the house of Israel is established. But that is underneath the blood of the New Covenant. And remember we talked about Abel, Cain and Abel. And the blood that was shed, and the reference to the blood that cried out from the ground, and we have this picture in heaven of Jesus, the mediator, with the sprinkled blood, that is at this this heavenly city in the presence of God, and is this, and is the source of this new covenant, this new covenant that God has established, that is in heaven, and with us on earth. These Jewish believers. They would, they would have understood this. And what I want you to contrast today as we look at this, I want you to contrast this message. And, and how, what, what impact, what, what application can we make for us today? You know, it's interesting, the New Covenant, normally in the New Testament, the word that's used is kinos, which, which talks about the quality. You know, just, like, just like any language, there's different words. You know, we can use the word fresh, we can word to use the word new. Um, This word, the idea of of a new quality. But the word here that's used is a different word that's kind of unique here in this passage that implies the idea of the suddenness, the point of time, what is happening now. That the new covenant has been established and this is where we, you Jewish believers, you are now here. This is where you are. This is where we were. The contrast, the contrast between these two places, the contrast is, don't touch. Be careful. Watch out. Come. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you. Look at the people that came to Jesus Christ. Who, who were attracted to Jesus Christ? People that were not accepted by others oftentimes. Even Pharisees and scribes like Nicodemus and Joseph who came secretly at night. They came to Jesus. They were invited. And the message, the message that Jesus gave was come. And friends, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the joy and hope, the good news, evangelism, it's good news. And the good news that God has given us and that we are invited to participate in and that we are invited to share and to live is not a message of don't come near, stay away. It's a message of joy and rejoicing and come. We want you to come. We want you to be here. We want this to be our message. I hope that, I hope, and and there is the holiness of God. Next week, our, our passage next week, this does, not, this does not take away the holiness of God. There, you know, balance is important as we understand Scripture. Because if you re- you can read the rest of it, and prepare yourself for next week from verse 25 on, you will see the, the holiness of God, and you will see the justice of God. For those who re- who reject this message, those who reject this message and reject God's forgiveness for sins, the justice of God is there. You will see that. But the message to these Jewish believers is why do you want to go back to that when we have this? Let me ask you a question. What is the difference? What is the difference? What makes the difference between don't come near and you are welcome to be here? What is the difference? What is it? You think of this. In the Old Testament, when they came to Mount Sinai, don't touch, stay away, they were not clean. They were, they were a sinful people. Cleanse yourself. Prepare yourself. Purify yourself. Get ready to come. And in this scenario, in the scenario that you and I participate in today, the message is you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the blood of the new covenant. You are saved. You have received forgiveness for sin. We've talked about this. We are holy. That's what the word saint means. Set apart. You may not feel holy today. And you may not feel holy this week. But if you know Jesus Christ as Savior because of His blood and because of what He has done, because of God's love for you, we are holy. We are set apart for God. And the reason we are invited to come and to not be afraid, but to come is because of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. That's the difference. It's sanctification. They were not ready they were not ready, and God was. And Moses says, "God, I want you don't be afraid, but God is testing you. He wants you to understand that, that, that we, we are a people, and they were no worse or no different than any people who are prone to sin and separation. He wants you to understand this, and it played out in their story. He wants you to understand this, but I want you to know by the blood of a better covenant, the new covenant of Jesus Christ." Mount Zion, the holy city, the heavenly Jerusalem, this picture of God and His abode and angels celebrating and the joy of that celebration and the welcome. Come. Come. I want to ask you today, Fred, as, as part of this church family, what is our message? What is our context and environment here? Is it a place where one might come and and, and receive the message, stay back, don't come too near. Or is the church of God a place where we say come? Come. Come and join a company of sinners saved by grace. Come and receive forgiveness for sins. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is this a place that echoes the message of the Apostle Paul, who said, to me, the chief of all sinners, the first in line, God's grace was given, so that by my example, nobody could say, I am outside the bounds of God's grace and mercy. Paul says, no, I am the chief example of, God saved me for this reason. Friends, our message as a church, as the Christian church, not just our church, our message as families, your message this week in your place of work, in your neighborhood, your school, with your family, your extended family, is our message a message of don't come near. Don't come near. Or is it a message of please come? Please come. We want. This is the message. Do, do people sense the joy, the celebration, the peace that the Holy Spirit gives, the joy of forgiveness, the joy of the grace of God? Do people sense that about your life? Do people sense that about my life? I have to admit, um, this week I was driving down, I was driving downtown. Uh, my wife works at a knitting shop downtown, and they have class on Tuesday night. And Is Emily here? Oh, there she is. I hate to say this, but Emily was, I have to admit, that Emily was with me. I was taking her down there because she was going to go class for an hour. So I drive her down, drop her off, and go hang out, walk, get some walking in, you know. And it's going down Aurora, and you know what bugs me is there's a bus lane, that doesn't bug me there's a bus lane. What bugs me is, everybody just drives. It's, I mean, it says, buses only, bus lane. Now, what part of that can't you read? Bus lane, you know? That doesn't look like a bus. That looks like a Volvo to me. And this stream of cars goes flying past you in this bus lane. And it really aggravates you because you know what they do? They, they put the right blinker on like they're going to turn. And they have no intention of turning because if, if you're supposed to turn. That's the only reason you're supposed to drive in that lane. It's for buses. And you, you sense my frustration here. <laughs> As you're driving down that lane, and all these cars go flying past, they get all the way down to where, the, where it goes back to two lanes, and what happens? They all want to get back in again. And that really bugs me. So I have to admit, last Tuesday night, there was a car next to me, and uh, I didn't let him in. And I wasn't about to let him in. I explained to my daughter, Emily, why. So these people drive here, and they they do this, and they kind of... She calls me an Uber driver. I don't know what that means. I What's an Uber driver? you guys know what an Uber driver is? I... <laughs> yes, I see that hand over there, an the Uber driver. And I have to admit, and afterward I thought to myself, you know, that's a pretty poor example. You know, You know, as as a pastor and as a a father and as a Christian, that's a pretty poor example. Let the person in. What difference is it going to make? I don't do that very often. I'm a pretty, you know, I really don't. But that just bugs me on that particular stretch of highway, you know. And I I just thought afterward, you know, that was, that's not the right image I want to project to my family. of That kind of crankiness, you know. Um... But you know what I'm talking about, right? You got it. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, you know, we we got it. You know, we get it. Um, What do we portray in our daily lives, in our daily choices? Do we portray an attitude and a heart that says, come on, come on, this is a good place to be. We want you to be here. We want to love you. We want more than anything You know, we're really good at Christians. We're really good at at making clear what we don't do, what we don't believe in. But sometimes I'm not so good at what do I believe in? What do I do? These are two places. Stay away. Watch out. God is a new place. It's a new place. We want you to be here with us. We want you to enjoy heaven with us. We want you to spend all eternity with a God who loves you so much that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And no one knows better than me how much I don't deserve that. But He did it because He loved me. And He loves you. And as before Gary comes and leaves us in our closing song, let's work in our Father's Day meditation here. Um, I thank God I thank God that I was raised in a church this church where my spiritual fathers some are still here most of them are gone Um, that my spiritual fathers uh, Lloyd Peterson's grand grand, uh, Janelle where are you isn't Janelle and Ralph here today Lord bless you good to have you here with us today our founding pastor's daughter with us today, Bruce Kemper was our youth pastor. I remember when Bruce came to my house when my when my dad died, when Bruce came to the funeral and supported our family and encouraged and was an encouragement to our family uh, when he came there to that service. Uh, men like this, who have given me the message, I grew up in a context where I clearly felt the message was, Jim, come. Not stay away. Come. Pastor Peterson hammered into this church. We are building this church for the kids. Those kids are now elders and leaders, and their kids and grandkids are growing up here. That was the message. Come. We we weren't always perfect. We didn't always do it perfectly right. But I thank God that I had fathers in this church who sent that message to me. Come. You are welcome. You are loved. We want you to meet Jesus. And, fathers and grandfathers that are here today, my Father's Day message for you is number one, thank you. I look at your faces. I look at your faces, and I know you. And I know what you're doing. And I know, like me, you're not perfect. But you love your family, you love your children. You love the children of this church. And you're living out Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you. And fathers and grandfathers, this week, let's keep it up. Let's continue. Let's look deep in our lives. Let's look deep in our own lives. Are we people that send the message? Come. Are we people that say, I'm not letting you in? (laughs) You bum. <laughs> Can't read. I'm not letting you in. Come. Come. Come and meet the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning I attended a Sunday School class. I hope you have a chance to come and join us for Sunday School. And uh, Casey Kemper taught our class this morning. Casey is one of our uh, summer interns working here. Rachel Stevens is working with us. Uh Madeline Lone is wrapping up her time, and we've been so blessed to have these young people working with us. And I was reminded, some years ago, when Casey was in grade school, my wife used to watch her, kind of uh, to babysat her. And uh, once in a while, I'd pick her up, and I went over to King's Elementary one day to pick her up. And I pulled up in my 1974 Dodge Dart with a peeling vinyl roof that needed a paint job. And I picked her up in the ferry line there as they all line up, you know. And I saw Casey talking to one of her friends, you know. She must have been like Tessa's age, like 10 or something, you know. And she got in the car and said, what were you and your friend talking about? And she says, oh, she was just asking me, is that your grandpa? (laughs) And I said, well, what did you say? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce, Grandpa Kemper. You know, uh, dear brother... And has poured his life into his family. And his kids are walking with the Lord. His son Keith, of course, one of our elders, teachers, leaders in this church. pour poured his life in his family. And uh, Casey was teaching us this morning in class. And uh, what a, you know what? Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it, dads. It's worth it for generations. Pour your life into your families. Be a dad who says, come. Not a dad that says, no, don't, don't get too close. But be a dad that says, come. And fathers of this church, church fathers, let's set the example. Let's, let's be the first in line to set the example. Come. God wants you here. We want you here. We love you. God loves you, and Christ offered his life for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray if there be one person here today who has never, ever opened their heart to you and said, Yes, I receive your love. Jesus Christ's friend died for you. He died for you to pay for your sins to open the way for forgiveness and eternal life and the joy of being part of that company of myriads that rejoice and celebrate. And I, and I invite you on his behalf today. And Lord, I ask, Lord, I'm praying to you and I'm talking to these people. And I want to ask you, Father, that your Holy Spirit would open in heart today to say yes and come to Christ for forgiveness. We love you. And we love you today that you are our Father. This Father's Day, most of all, that we can call you Abba, Father. And may those of us who are fathers imitate that and imitate you and walk as children of God. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.